On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, author Brad Baluchian joins us to talk about his latest book, The Wax Pack. Welcome to episode 83 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. We've been having a ton of fun over the last few weeks talking baseball cards. If you haven't already, head to albertadugoutstories.com as both Ian and I brought you our all-star teams of the best baseball cards from players who once played in this province, including likes of Pat Borders, Edgar Martinez, Jason Giambi, Andre Dawson, amongst a host of others. We've been dubbing this series In the Cards, and Ian's been also been working on some galleries of card sets from those days of affiliated baseball. The first one was with the 2002 Medicine Hat Blue Jays, and he's been working on a few others, including the Calgary Cannons, Edmonton Trappers, and Lethbridge Black Diamonds, among others. So to stick with that theme, we thought we'd talk to someone who recently wrote a book about the cardboard collectibles. Brad Baluchian's latest is called The Wax Pack, On the Open Road in Search of Baseball's Afterlife. It's a fascinating tale about track down former players found in a pack of old baseball cards to answer that fun question we sometimes ask ourselves whatever happened to that guy it led him across the country in what turned into what's been dubbed a part baseball nostalgia part road trip travelogue that also finds him doing a little self-discovery Interestingly, there are a few Alberta connections to the book. You would have heard former Toronto Blue Jay Rance Mullenix on episode 78 of the podcast as he was a visitor to the Vauxhall Academy of Baseball's annual banquet. Gary Pettis patrolled the outfield for the Edmonton Trappers in 1983 and returned again in 1987, while longtime shortstop Gary Templeton managed Trappers in 2000. And Baluchian's boyhood idol Don Carmen pitched in six games for the Calgary Cannons back in 1993. So some great nostalgia, but also some great insight on life in our conversation here with author Brad Blukjian. Brad, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Take us back to the very beginning. And when you started thinking about, hey, maybe I want to write this book. So, um, yeah, I, I have always had, you know, wanted, to, wanted to write a book. I think as a writer, you think about different different book ideas and you play around with different things. And, uh, for me, the, the, I, I realized that sitting at a baseball game that, um, the guys that I grew up with, the players from that era in the eighties, um, you know, I used to know those guys so well because of their baseball cards. And I used to collect the cards as a kid and I, um, knew their statistics. And I mean, back then we didn't, you know, this pre-internet sort of, Baseball cards were our iPhone of the day, right? That's mm-hmm. what we spent our time holding and, you know, fixated on. And so I realized that, I, you know, in the current game, even though I still follow baseball, I don't really know the players that well. I don't know their statistics. And so I started wondering, you know, well, whatever happened to the guys that I grew up watching? And I think that kind of where are they now theme is something that's universally attractive to people that, that's interesting and so that's what first got me going and then I started to think about those, the actual vessel for the cards back in the day which was the wax pack and I thought oh, how cool that you could if you could get a pack that had never been opened um, that could provide the device for picking a, a random sample of guys from that era to track down and as somebody that always 
my favorite players were always the guys that were not the superstars. It would also give me a chance to write about the guys that I that I liked the most as a kid. So that that was kind of my entry point for the for the idea. Was there a specific player you had in mind right off the bat, or did you go out and actually buy a physical pack and say, hey, this is my starting point? Yeah, no, I, I made a deal that I was I was going to get a pack and whatever I would be constrained by whatever players were in that pack. But as they say in the book, in the, sort of the spirit of full disclosure, I did open up multiple packs because if I just went with one and I got, you know, half the guys had passed away or something, that, that wouldn't make for a very good book. So I, wrote, I opened up several packs, but I made sure not to mix and match the cards between packs. So the pack that I ended up going with which included my favorite player as a as a kid, a guy named Don Carmen, um, uh, was it was in that that pack. The integrity of that pack was intact. Those guys were all bundled together. Why Don Carmen? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, that question kind of goes throughout the book because. Uh, I mean, other than him being a guy that was, again, one of the underdog players who played for my favorite team, which was the Phillies, there was nothing particular beyond that that would have drawn me to him. But uh, I thought it was pretty uncanny as as I got to know him in the book, how similar I actually am to him. And so, I mean, I'm a scientist. I, I teach biology. I'm not one prone to the notion that, you know, everything happens for a reason or fate and all that. But I got to say... <laughs> It's kind of making a believer out of me because if you read the book, you'll see that the number of parallels in sort of my life and Don Carmen's life are pretty amazing. I mean, other other than the fact that I obviously didn't play Major League Baseball, um, there's a lot that I have in common with him. So, so maybe you know, maybe it was meant to be that I was he would be my favorite player. So, what made you decide that you wanted to actually do the whole travel aspect of it versus I know, and I mean, you and I are talking on the phone now. It's so easy to do interviews over email or over a phone call or over a Skype, and yet you went the extra mile, literally, like over 11,000 miles to make this all happen. (laughs) Right. Uh, And that's, I mean, that's because, you know, to me, this is, this is, um, this is a narrative. This is a story. Um, to me, it's not just about the idea of tracking the guys down or, or telling their stories or even baseball from that era. I wanted to, I think, you know, journalists or people that do this kind of writing were, were storytellers. And I wanted to write the best possible, most compelling story that I could about these guys and this experience in that era. And to do that, I felt like the best way to do that would be to actually take a giant monster road trip because then I could write about, there would be so much, so much more to write about, right? There'd be the, the places that I go to, the experience of the road. Um, and then it makes all, I mean, I think, you know, right now we're in the middle of this whole pandemic and everyone's, everyone's shut in, everyone's still communicating over phone and, you know, zoom and all these things. But I think everyone's collectively experiencing, like it's nothing like the in-person thing, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can talk to each other through through digital means, but it's nowhere near the the experience of being face to face. And and I knew that as a as a writer that I would have such a, a much better um, experience and product if I went out and actually met these guys face to face. And I could use all the senses and, and describe the settings that I was in and read someone's emotions, right? It's really hard to read someone's emotion through even through a webcam. I mean it's it's different. 
and so that was ultimately what I wanted to do is, is tell a story about about people and about human emotion and, and um, not just about baseball. And I think that the best way to accomplish that is to is to get out there and um, you know do it in person. Do you have a specific favorite chapter? Yeah, uh, definitely the Don Carmen. Well, there's actually two chapters about him. One where I, I go back to the, the tiny town of 200 people in western Oklahoma where he grew up and and literally find like his home, the house he grew, uh, what's left of the house he grew up in and meet his his mom and his his coach and kind of get the set the stage with his backstory and then I go a later chapter to Naples, Florida and meet him in person where he lives now and end up going to the zoo with him and and that's where we have this I think what's the highlight of the book which is um you know this encounter meeting my own hero but then having things so kind of flipped in that all of a sudden this guy who was my hero is so open and so vulnerable with me to the point where within an hour of meeting him, he's, he's crying in front of me, which, you know, you could never expect that. Right. Mm. How challenging was it to put a book like this together where you have so many different variables at play, whether it be, you know, the specific players or the logistics of actually getting to some of these places or trying to actually track them down. But even beyond that is to convince them that, hey, here's the book and here's the idea. And I hope you're willing to play ball here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all those things were... Were, were there multiple challenges, as you say, in different ways. And, but I, I tried to use that as an asset in the book in that um, when a guy wouldn't talk to me or I couldn't get to somebody or, you know, I somehow, uh, you know, ran into a roadblock, like I just wrote about that in the narrative. Like that became part of the story, right? And I think that, I mean, stories are interesting because of conflict. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a story about everything going great, everyone's a great guy, it's, it's pretty boring. So my approach was be as honest and real as possible. Um, I'm kind of like, as someone who has no particular special connection or background in sports writing, I, I am kind of like the everyman, you know, who has this opportunity to, to, or I'm making an opportunity. It wasn't handed to me to, to see, to meet these guys that I, that I idolize as a kid. And then, you know, where doors get slammed in my face, sometimes literally, like, I'm just going to write about that. And that's part of the story. And I think embracing that honesty, you know, makes it a much better, more compelling read. Was it difficult from a personal standpoint in kind of coming grips, uh, coming to grips with your own self, whether it be, you know, meeting up with people that from your distant past or as as I've read as well as uh, you come to terms with your own battle with uh, OCD as an example? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I looked at this as uh, an opportunity to explore, you know, my own life and my I mean, I. You know, in the in when I take the trip, I'm in my mid 30s, and there's a nice parallel there because most all these players, you know, they all had to retire around the same age in their mid 30s because they were, you know, they were done, and that's when your your skills leave you as a as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, here I am in my mid 30s, and at one time I would have thought, oh, I'll be I'm be married and have kids by then, and you no, know, I'm still single and still on my own, no kids, and. Um, and so I kind of, you know, kind of at this crossroads in my life, or where, where do I go next? And all my friends are, you know, getting married, having kids, and 
And so I, I use that as a way to explore sort of my own life and asking the players, well, what, you know, what happened to you when you were my age? And you had to kind of go through your own crossroads because they were done playing and then they have the rest of their lives in front of them. And yet, like, they can no longer do the one thing that they were trained to do their whole life and, and play baseball. So so I kind of I like this playing with this theme of, you know, kind of these guys now as my own mentors in a way. Um, and then I, you know, reflect a lot in the book about, uh, as you said, you know, meeting up with the, the woman I once thought I would marry and re, you know, seeing her again on the trip and, and going back past the place where I, where I, um, had gone through this intensive OCD therapy and, and, you know, drawing the, drawing parallels between sort of my own, um, struggles with, with OCD and anxiety and the kind of anxiety that these guys dealt with both on the field and off the field. Did you learn something about yourself along all the paths that you took? Yeah, I think, um, I think that I learned, or I, I learned and had reinforced by, by the players, the, the notion that, um, that, you know, what, what's really important in, in baseball, but in life in general is really to try to be as present as you can, you know, to, I, you know, I call baseball players accidental Buddhists because even without realizing it, they were, they were able to be so successful and to get to the major leagues because they were so good at living in the moment, living, living in the present, you know, immediately forgetting the failure that came in their last at bat and, you know, not worrying about the game tomorrow. Um, I think we can all learn from that, right? That mm-hmm. we only have control over so much and, you know, that that's whatever's right in front of us and in, in the behavior we take. So I'd say that was one lesson. The other one is that um, it's kind of heartening to know that or to realize that we all have a lot more in common with baseball players than we ever realized. And that part of this process in in meeting these guys and having them be so open with me was demystifying them as these kind of like gods, right? And they're no, they're just they're just people that deal with the same shit that you and I deal with. Um, and that, that kind of is a, a nice thing to, to realize. Did you find yourself in awe at times where you went, I wasn't expecting that out of this player? Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the multiple times where they would get emotional or sort of open up and, and, you know, that kind of was surprising to me. I didn't think, they would necessarily let their guard down that much. Um, but I appreciated that, you know, I really, to me that, that was uh, flattering that, that they would be willing to be that open and vulnerable with me. When you look back on the, the initial stages, did you write the book that you had in mind or did it actually kind of transform itself into something that you weren't totally expecting in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think the beauty of it was that it became something bigger than I thought it was going to be. And that, I mean, initially it was sort of just this open-ended, you know, well, what happened to these guys? And, you know, what, how do they handle life after baseball? And then through the process, you, I get these all these other themes come in, which is things like the, the father-son relationship and the, their, you know, how they, how they handled some of the trauma with that, their vulnerability, um, race became an issue, talking to guys like uh, Gary Templeton and, and Al Cowan's family about what it was like to be a black player in, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, those were things that I, I didn't really know were going to come up along the way, but I think they, they make the book a lot better. 
when you think of it from a reader's perspective, what do you hope the average reader takes away from your book? Well, I hope, number one, that they are um, entertained and not just informed. I mean, this kind of writing, you know, it, it was, this book was a challenge. It was a challenge to write, to, to, to get a deal for. I mean, I, it took a long time to get published because I took the trip on my own dime. I had no book deal, no advance, and then I had to come back and try to get a deal after I'd taken the trip. And I got a lot of rejection and a lot of people that said, you know, um, this isn't going to this isn't going to work. You know, why should you be a character in the book and all that? Um, and so um, I, but I stuck to my guns, and I always felt like the vision that I had for the book, which was to be this kind of multi-genre book that's part baseball and part memoir and part travel log, but really that it would be go beyond baseball, that it would have. Um, lessons for people that go beyond just the experience of these baseball players. And I think that's, that's why I hope people can get out of it is that, is that, you know, there are, um, they, again, they, they have a lot more in common with these ball players and then they, they can learn a lot of lessons that they can apply to their own life from what comes out of, of this road trip. What did it mean to you to actually see this all come to fruition and to actually have a physical copy of your book in your hands? Yeah, I think, well, the first time you do anything, I think, is always the most memorable, right? So people have asked me, well, what's what's your next book going to be about? And it's like, yeah, I mean, I have ideas, but back to the idea of this idea of like being in the present. I mean, there's to me, I'm enjoying every part of this process from you know, from beginning to end. And so when I first got the book, the actual copy in the mail from the publisher, um, yeah, I won't, I won't underplay it. I mean, it was, it was a great feeling to see six years of, of, of labor, you know, kind of wrapped up in this, in this physical object. Um, and so I, I take, you know, a lot of pride in, in being able to see this symbol of, of all that in, in the book. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the question then is, have you had those thoughts about what's next or are you just kind of taking that actual breather then? Yeah, I don't think, um, I've had some thoughts, I mean, I don't think some, you know, I don't think I would do another book like the same way as this, like a sequel or anything. And people have said, Oh, you should do another one, and I just don't think it could ever be as good as the original. You know, the idea is is sort of is, is, has been done. Um, and I, before this, I wrote a lot of shorter stuff. I'm like I said, I'm a I'm a biology professor, so I usually write about science, and so I have a lot of uh, ideas in that area. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I I'm going to maybe try to do some shorter stuff again because you know, six years is a, is a long time to to invest in one in one thing. Brad, I appreciate your time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and shedding a little bit of light into the Wax Pack. Well, thanks a lot. I, I appreciate uh, you having me on, and I hope uh, you know people. So you can, if you go to waxpackbook.com, you can uh, you can see where to get the book, and I hope people will, especially now, you know, with the, the pandemic that's going on, um, independent bookstores are, are really getting hammered, and so. Uh, on, on my site, I have a link to where people could actually get the book through their their local bookstore, which are which are still open to uh, fulfill orders.
Thanks again to Brad Baluchian for joining us. And as always, thanks to you for downloading and listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to leave us a rating and review if you can on your provider of choice. Doing those kinds of things helps spread the word about the ADS podcast. And speaking of spreading the word, we'd love to hear about other baseball podcasts you enjoy. If you are a fan of this particular episode as an example, then you might enjoy Baseball by the Book by Justin McGuire. It's all about baseball books and he has a lot of great historical pieces. We know a lot of you are getting a little antsy to watch some baseball as we wait out the coronavirus pandemic and we're right there with you. In the meantime, we're hoping to provide you with as much content as we can through the podcast and the website. Again, thank you for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories. 